Welcome to the Fire and Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow. I believe in taking massive, inspired action from an awakened soul. This show is a weekly dose of spiritual principles, personal development, and success strategies for creating an epically aligned life. Here's to your wildest dreams coming true with less hustle, grit and grind, more flow, ease, and grace. I'm the founder of the Live Video Mastery Academy, a TV host, speaker, best-selling author, and proud fur mama, and I'll be sharing real talks with successful entrepreneurs, thought leaders, best-selling authors, spiritual luminaries, and high-performance experts in this unfiltered, transformational, and soul-centered podcast. Things are about to get real. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey there, welcome back to the Fire and Soul podcast. Today is going to be a treat. I've been so looking forward to this releasing, and I only just recorded it a few days ago as I returned home from my first experience at Rhythmia Life Advancement Center in Costa Rica. And today I have the honor and privilege of having the chief medical officer and co-founder, Dr. Jeff McNary on to talk all things Rhythmia 101. He'll give you the science, the art. I'll share a little bit of my own experience. He'll share a little bit about his And I'm just really honored, honestly, to get to have this conversation. And there will be many more of these throughout the end of the year and perhaps the beginning of 2020. I will ultimately share a deep dive into my own experience. This is a little sort of snapshot or sneak preview, if you will. But I will be sharing something very openly with you soon. But for purposes of timing, I wanted to get this one out first because it's so special And it was such a privilege to get to have him on the show. Before we dive into him, though, I wanted to talk about a skincare company that I stand behind with my full heart and soul. AO Skincare is a brand new skincare company from pristine New Zealand that's challenging the way people think about their skin. It's a next generation skincare company that's backed by clinical science, yet uses only clean, non-toxic ingredients. Check this out. AO believes that most skincare is doing more harm than good. However, Harvard Derm Dr. Mark Gray from AO says products are probably breaking down your skin barrier. Huh? And the biggest culprit? Moisturizers. What skincare products typically do is strip away your natural skin oils with uh, soap-based cleansers, then heavily layered synthetic oils, petrochemical-based oils, or vegetable oils directly to the skin. And this takes a toll on our skin's barrier, and a barrier is vital to protecting us from the sun, pollution, and other environmental stresses that are constantly attacking your skin. So the way that this works is it breaks the skin's addiction to traditional moisturizers. It's the first skincare company to create formula that focus on restoring your skin's own dynamic barrier. And the way that it works uh, additionally are the ingredients are like, oh my God, so pristine. New Zealand's red algae, the most powerful natural antioxidant known on the planet, combined with vitamins and peptides to deliver real results. It truly works. It's worked on my skin. It's worked on many of yours who've heard me chat about this here before and then who went on over to my website, fireandsoulpodcast.com. And in the show notes of this particular podcast, you can see there's a link to AO Skincare and you'll see different products. And we're offering up a 20% discount for you as my loyal listener on select products. So definitely head on over there and check it out and do yourself a favor and flow into 2020 with beautiful, natural skin that's fully optimized 
elasticize and has more volume and a luminous glow. And you can feel so good about it that you will literally be radiating health and vibrant energy, not to mention gorgeous skin that looks like an Instagram filter from the inside out. No joke. I'm so excited for those of you who will pick that up. All right. Today, I mentioned earlier, I did just return home from an epic, otherworldly, transformational week at Rhythmia Life Advancement Center in Costa Rica. My mom is the one who wanted me to go. You'll hear more about that. I was really resistant, totally skeptical, and almost against it, like so fear-based. And so wherever you are, you know, in your intrigue or interest or openness or not about plant medicine and mother ayahuasca, I encourage you, since you know me and trust me now, just to listen with an open heart. I'm not saying, hey, go do it. Um, Although, of course, I would encourage as many as are getting a nudge, a lure, or a call just to follow that. That's what this is all about. Dr. Jeff is just way cool. (laughs) Not going to lie. He is a a physician. He's been working in health in the healthcare field for 25 years. He's worked in a variety of medical environments and seen the struggle that individuals have when actually trying to heal. And the current Western system of healthcare is just deficient in healing the population. It's more concerned with managing symptoms and using external sources for, quote, change, rather than focusing on the root cause. And through Dr. McNary's intense experience with the most desperate patient populations, addiction, acute mental health, and trauma, he has seen that the only real healing can come from within. He's got incredible stories. You can check him out on YouTube. You can see his website on my show notes. Again, fireandsoulpodcast.com. You'll see um, so much more about Dr. Jeff, as I now lovingly refer to him. His story and how he came to be friends and connected with Gerald Powell, who is the ultimate visionary of Rhythmia. And that came through his first plant medicine experience and journey that uh, you'll hear a little bit about here, but hopefully soon I'll have uh, Jerry, Gerald Powell, on this show so you can hear it from him and his incredible story with uh, whom we now refer to as Mrs. Moon. Mm. This conversation is juicy, it's heartfelt, and it's from my soul to yours. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Jeff. Welcome to the show, Dr. Jeff. I'm so honored to have you here. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about what's going on down here at Rhythmia. Oh my gosh. Okay. So my listeners know I just returned two days ago, actually a day and a half ago from the most epic transformative healing week of my life, which is called Rhythmia and all that entails down there. And so we're going to talk about that today, but I really want to talk about who you are at Rhythmia, how you came to be there, a little bit of background of, you know, some of those credentials and how it just works so beautifully of what your purpose is and this mission of Rhythmia at this moment. So uh, let's start with, yeah, background, baby. (laughs) All right. All right. So uh, my name is Dr. Jeff McNary. I'm the chief medical officer here at Rhythmia. I have a master's in public health from UCLA. Also, a doctorate in psychology. I have a medical background. I've been supervising and managing health facilities for a really long time. I've been in healthcare for 27 years, worked for the Department of Health of Hawaii, ran a very well known rehab in Malibu called Passages. I was the administrative director, and I worked in locked psychiatric units in Las Encinas Hospital in Pasadena, had a private practice. I've seen it all, and I've worked with trauma victims addiction clients and people Mm. that are acute psychiatric. Mm. And that's kind of my background. I've just been more of an administrator and a 
working with groups and individuals and people that are struggling the most in life, basically. May I ask you, what, what is locked psychiatric? Yeah, so it, when you have a psychiatric hospital, there's different levels to it. And there's people that go through um, a rough moment and they're not, they're not considered clinically psychiatric. Wow. And they just need a time to like chill and regroup. And that's, it's called a, like a lower level. And they go in voluntarily. They're on some meds. They can leave when they need to or whatever. Then there's people that are, that are really severe and they're in a locked unit. So that means they can't leave. They're mandated by the state or by law enforcement to be in a, in a hospital. And those people are usually schizophrenic or in a psychotic episode from bipolar or something really severe. So you've seen I, things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen some stuff. Seen some <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so then you uh, meet Jerry Powell, your co-founder and co-partner at Rhythmia. How did that happen? Well, I was managing that, that Malibu rehab and I was the director and I wasn't working with patients. I was managing the staff and the, and the guests overall. And Jerry came in as a patient because he had all these uh, drug addiction issues, alcohol addiction, all this behavioral stuff. He was so rough and so really like a difficult case. that I didn't want to turn him over to my staff because I thought he would just eat them alive. (laughs) So, you know, part of being an administrator, right, is to learn like and know your staff and like what's best for them. And so I, I realized like, if I turn Jerry over to my staff, he's just going to like destroy him. And so I, I just I have no staff. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided I, w- I would take one for the team and I would work with him myself. So that's what I did. And he was at the rehab for 60 days, two months. And we met every day and we really connected. And it was like a really cool thing. And he, he was able to stop his Demerol addiction. And Demerol is a surgery grade opiate. That is IV used. It's great for surgery, but he was using it outside in his house. Using it like coffee. (laughs) (laughs) So he was able to kick that whole thing at passages, which is really good because that'll kill you. But then, you know, after that, I put him in my private practice and I worked with him for five years. Whoa. Yeah. And he still had all this crazy stuff going on. You know, he was fighting people and it was nuts. Fighting people, you know, the hookers, the strippers, the alcohol for breakfast, the how many cigarettes a day, 20 cigarettes a day? Yeah, at least, at least. (laughs) And that was the easy stuff. How long ago was that? That was 10 years ago. Wow, it's actually not that long ago. So he leaves rehab after 60 days, but he's still drinking and sexing yeah. and all that stuff, right? But at least yeah. he's off Demerol and he, and he still wants to continue with you. So what does that yeah. look like? Well, I would show up at his house in the morning around 9 a.m., Monday through Friday, and I would just start to try to work with him. And he'd be hungover and running women out the back door because he thought he was embarrassed. You know, I was like, do I see these girls leaving? I mean, whatever. Girls, multiple, <laughs> plural. Yeah. And didn't he like, I heard stories that are legendary, of course, where he'd answer the door like with a cocktail in hand, a cigarette in the other hand. It's like 9 a.m. <laughs> ready yeah, for session. Yeah. <laughs> Got white powder on his face. He's like, oh, you know, that's just baking powder. You're cooking a cake. You know, no. He's a, he's a mess. So I have to ask, why did you stick with it? And him, you know, it was really weird because I look back on that time and I think to myself, like, why was I drawn to work with him? And it was it was hard to explain because it wasn't about any sort of like rational belief system that I had because this guy was he just wasn't getting any better. And I was like, Um, I don't know why I'm doing this, because it's not the normal therapeutic protocol to work with somebody for like six hours a day 
you know, five days a week. That's not, that's not normal. And, and I was just like really getting frustrated, but at the same time there was this drive mm. to, to stick with him. And I didn't know what it meant at the time. I mean, obviously now I know, but I didn't know then wow. why that was. Yeah. I'm so moved by that. Yeah. It was amazing. It was beautiful. And it was, it was, uh, it was something that, you know, I met his family, right? So I met his kids, I met his ex-wife, I met his friends and they were really, really amazing people. And oh. I felt almost felt like it was my job to keep this dude alive for them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's kind of what I sort of chalked it up to at, at, during that time, you know? So five years goes by and you've now gotten to know Jerry, fall in love with Jerry. You don't know really why you're there, but you feel called to be there, which is a beautiful lesson in life, right? Just answer the nudge, listen to the whispers. I think all the magic in life is in the yes and in the Definitely. uncertainty. And then what? Well, and then I had a friend that was a shaman. And I didn't know much about shamanism, so I just thought she was a nice person. A friend that's a shaman. <laughs> what does that even mean? Because isn't that like there's like an online certification for eleven bucks you can become a shaman, and then put it all over social media, and yeah, then there's yeah. like the real shamans. How do you discern, and how yeah. do you get that well, in your life? <laughs> well, passages was interesting because it was kind of like a, it was a non twelve step facility, it had spiritual counseling, sort of more holistic sort of things, and I met a lot of interesting healers. And it was kind of a new thing for me because I wasn't used to that. And so one of these people that I met through these people that were healing sort of practitioners was a shaman. I was like, oh, well, that, you know, whatever. I don't know what that really means, but here they are. And so Jerry met this woman and she was really, really cool, super nice, had great intentions. And she talked to Jerry at his worst moment when he was suicidal. He was, mm -hmm. he was over it. And she told him to go do a plant medicine in Costa Rica because she knew somebody that was just like him and then it would change him. And Jerry, you know, he was on his wits end. He decided to go for it. And, and that's what happened. Like he just on a whim came down to Costa Rica and did the plant medicine. And, and it was just, that was the turning point for him and myself. Wow. Okay. So he comes to Costa Rica. He had, so he'd done everything else on the planet, but he had never tried the plant medicine known as ayahuasca. Correct. Where, where did he do it? He did it up in the mountains, this place called uh, Buena Vista, which is in about two hours north of Liberia in the Rincón de la Vieja. Yeah. And it was in a little house. It was this shaman dude. And he just, just some house, you know, it was just like super, super sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're desperate, right. And it's like, you're suicidal anyway. It's like, what do you have to lose? Yeah. And he was, you know, Jerry likes a challenge. And back then, if somebody challenged him, he would, he would kind of like take him up on it. Yep. So he just went for it and he felt sort of called to do it and he went and did it and he was there for a week and his experience was incredible and it just showed him why he was acting the way he was, what had happened to him traumatically in the past, like what had shifted, you know, in his life and why he was a drug addict and a womanizer and a, and a fighting, you know, angry, upset guy. And it just completely resolved and processed all this emotional trauma and it changed his life. You know, that's, that's basically what happened in a week. It was at that visit that Mrs. Moon showed him the magic map to his unique prescription. Yes. So that's a story worth hearing. And guys, I'm going to, I'm going to do my very best to get Jerry on here. Cause I really want you to hear that story from him. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's, it is incredible. And you can read a lot about it also on, on rhythmia.com, which of course I'll put in the show notes, but that is a huge awakening. And he sees where you guys call it the split happen. And, it, and from what I understand, it's 
Well, I'd love for you to share about the split um, because that encouraged me day one in the orientation of, because the way that you guys facilitate and guide newbies, scared people like myself, super skeptical, um, never done like a quote drug in my life. I mean, I was so fearful and I went, I went to Rhythmia on the shuttle to the facility telling John Jacob, your assistant director to uh, Rhythmia, I'm not doing it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here to support my mother. My 72 year old badass fearless mother was like, (laughs) she's on her bucket list since the day you guys opened your doors. And so I was doing it for her, but I decided to be brave. And the way in which it was, it was easy for me is because of the way in which you guys facilitate every step of the process. It's such a gentle entry. And so part of that was learning, like, you know, show me who I've become, those three powerful questions. And I want to save some of the magic for when people arrive, but that show me who I've become that requires a level of bravery and courage where you're going to meet yourself right in the shadows of the valley. And when you can see that and get through it, which everybody does a hundred percent, I'm telling you right now, I feel fucking fearless and I'm in my power like Phoenix rising. It's so powerful and there's so much fire. There's so much grace and there's so much beauty and everything just feels magical. That said, it sounds really crazy and quote druggy. <laughs> and, you know, and so I just want people to hear this story of, okay, how, how, what does that mean? What do you mean the split from, you know, so let's start there. Okay. So okay. we believe that the purpose of life is to refine your soul. So we believe that everybody is born into this world perfect and connected and united and in a whole. Your physical body is present with your spiritual or emotional self. Yes. Then what happens in life is there's a split that occurs. In psychology, we call it a dissociation. Okay. And usually between the ages of four and seven, for most people, that's when that occurs. It can occur really anytime. It can occur in utero, actually. What happened at birth? It can happen at birth. So what happens is, we come into this life complete and plugged into ourselves, but then through an, an abandonment or a traumatic event or a misunderstanding or some sort of issue that occurs, every single person splits from their soul. And we know this is true because if you look at little, little kids that have not split yet, like I have, a, I have an eighth month old and a two-year-old, and I would assume I'm kind of guessing that they're not really split yet. They are living in both worlds. Their eyes are open to the spirit world. To they're seeing everything. What? They're talking to they're talking to people over in the corner that I don't see. Right. So we're we're united when we're first here, and then what happens is an event occurs and we split off. And what we learn is that it's not safe to be ourselves. Mm. We learn, and it's not it's not necessarily true that it's not safe, but we feel that way as a little kid. And so what happens is we develop this persona and this identity and it's called the ego. And we yeah. show that to the world and that takes on its own life. And it's the class clown. It's the, the studious person. It's the slut in the school. It's the fighter. It's the asshole. Who knows what it is? It's this identity that's not really us, but we're showing that to the world to get by and to survive and to try to just make it. And so as life goes on and it progresses, right? eventually we're kind of like confused and we feel not connected to ourselves because we're split and the split is really big mm-hmm. and we're, we're, we're unhappy. We're depressed. We have anxiety. We have uh, fearful things that we're dealing with. We don't understand relationships. We don't have good connections with people. 
and we're seeking all this stuff. Like we're trying to, we go to see a therapist and they put us on meds and we go to a workshop and it's really nice, good info, but then it doesn't really resonate. It says all this stuff we're trying, we're seeking all this stuff outside of ourselves, all this external source of change. Mm. And then what happens is people come to Rhythmia mm. and they do plant medicine. And what plant medicine does is it plugs you back into your authentic self. So the spiritual or emotional self and the physical self reunite. And then you're back to who you are. And the emotions of the past that you've never dealt with surface and you feel them and they leave you. And then you're clear and you're plugged in. And that's how you're feeling since you've yes. been home. Yes. Powerful and clear and like lots of energy and happy and just like, this amazing feeling because that's what the plant medicine is doing for all the people that come to Rhythmia. Okay. A few questions. One, can you give an example of what would have caused a split? So a common one for most people is they just feel emotionally abandoned by their caregivers. Now an extreme that's case, simple. that's simple. It could be a kid that is crying in their crib too long because the parent thinks that they're sleep training the kid. It's just like went right. on too long. It could be that simple. It's not, it's nothing insidious necessarily. Right. No. And it could now, be, it could be on the other right. end of the spectrum. It's sexual abuse. Yes. Physical abuse. There's abandonment. There's drug and alcohol issues with parents. There's a, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole spectrum of things that can be. Definitely. It can be as simple as a little baby, two years old, four years old, crying in the crib and not getting a parent's attention because the parent thinks that they're doing the right thing by sleep training, but the child starts to believe that they have been abandoned and therefore starts to behave that way in life and splits from the true authentic yes. soul. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, wow. As a result, by the way, a side note, my wife, who's a forensic psychologist, has become a sleep training expert to help parents oh, not oh, do oh. this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't have kids, but I have I had a puppy at once. And now he's two and a half, but I felt the same way about his sleep training. And it just never felt right to me at all. It just felt, to yeah. honor, felt right to honor treating him with care and love and respect and and yeah, yeah and honor. And I mean, by the way, he was potty trained immediately and he sleeps through the night and you know, so I had a different intention and I got a different outcome that was in yeah. alignment. So I don't think my dog was ever split. Do animals split? Animals are, especially dogs, tend to have a foot in both worlds. They're both in the spirit world and the physical world. So they're, they're sort of vehicles for us to really connect with. That's why we have these two dogs here. A Kayla and Galaxy. Galaxy, right? Yes. And they're, they're amazing. They help. Yep. They're shaman dogs, which yes. just sounds crazy. I know I'm talking wild, right? What do I say? But they're, that's really true. Animals are very powerful, especially dogs. Akela helped me the first night because she, first of all, I'm obsessed with my dog, Samson. And anyone who listens to this podcast knows that <laughs> he's my angel and my shaman now. But Akela came and laid, sprawled out on my bed night one. I'm going into, why am I forgetting the term? The maloka. Oh, yes. I forgot yeah. My brain is barely there, by the way. I could hardly slice a banana or drive my car today. So while I'm all fired up and clear-minded, I'm also kind yeah. of in two worlds right now, which I yeah. wouldn't have it any other way. But that's, it's safe, you guys, so don't be scared. Okay, so when you said that people come to Rhythmia to heal that split, when did Rhythmia come to be and how did that happen? Because that story is so epic. Yeah, well, we, we bought this place about five years ago. And once we did... I moved here about a week later. I'm from Los Angeles, California. I moved here 
And I was alone on the property for about two years. And what I was doing is I was working with the Ministry of Health of Costa Rica, going back and forth with them, trying to get us licensed to, to serve plant medicine in a medically appropriate facility. So I had to clinically justify plant medicine as a remedy for people who have mental health things like you know anxiety or depression, also as a cure for trauma, mm-hmm. also for other medicinal things like autoimmune disorders. So it took, it took two years. It took me a long time. But actually, when you think about it, it's not that long. You know? And the government was really cool. And they were working with me and helping me. And I had a team of attorneys and all these people. And once we got licensed to, to use plant medicine as a modality of, of healthcare, we opened the doors and we started seeing guests. We haven't stopped. And it's been about almost four years now. Yes. Okay. So how did you guys find the location that is now known as Rhythmia? How did Rhythmia's name come to be? Jerry had a previous company that he had in Pennsylvania from his business uh, endeavors that was called Rhythmia. And it was all kinds of vitamins and kind of like wellness stuff. Mm. So he already had it incorporated. So we thought that was a great name because it was like based on sort of the, the in, like a rhythm that you have in your life. And then we just thought it would fit perfectly. So we used his same sort of incorporated business that he already had. And we looked at about 18 different properties in Costa Rica over six months. So after Jerry and I were down in Costa Rica doing our own plant medicine, we immediately started looking all around, drove to the whole country, checked it out. Once we came to this site, we knew this was the place because it was easy to get to from the airport. It was gated community. Costa Rica in general is really safe, but we're in a gated community. So it's like, beautiful. There's a JW Marriott in the same area. There's an 18 hole, 18 hole golf course. I mean, it's like a beautiful, beautiful area on the beach and the, on the North Pacific coast. Yeah. So it just felt right. You know, and what happened later is that uh, one of our shaman who's like Taito Juanita, who's a, who's a bloodline ayahuasquero from Colombia, He said, this property is a portal into the world of healing and spirituality. So we so thought, okay. Come to be. How are you guys? How are you guys talking to Tida Juanito? <laughs> By the way, for those of you who are intrigued, follow the nudge and go watch the medicine. You can rent it or buy it on Vimeo right now. It's a documentary, and you'll learn all about how incredible this shaman Tita Juanito truly is. Okay, so how did you guys? What happened where you guys are now friends and yeah. hanging out with him? Well, I can tell you that probably one of the hardest things I ever had to do was hire and look for shaman. Okay? Right. <laughs> it's not one where, of those things where there's like an LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, there's no LinkedIn yeah. shaman website. So we had a couple of staff that were, that were uh, plugged into different plant-based diets and all kinds of holistic stuff here in Costa Rica. And they referred us to a couple people that eventually led us to Taito Juanito. And, and where he, was he? He was in Colombia. Okay. Actually. Yeah. And he lives he lives up the Amazon basin. You know, it's like a three day trip up the river. It's not like by car either, by the way. No. Not a boat car, you know, not a scooter. This is like <laughs> trekking on foot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what was beautiful about it is that he would periodically make visits to Costa Rica and he would train his healers that he had in Costa Rica. And we met some of them. And so they were working with us. And that's how we met Taito Juanito. And so we have him come four times a year. He's, he's awesome. So he, he, awesome. he basically like sets the tone for the indigenous sort of cultural appropriate sort of ayahuasca, you know, protocol that we have here. So is it fair to say that all of your shamans have studied under Taito Juanito? 
Yes. Yes. Okay. Either, either directly or indirectly through one of his top people. Like Mitra, who was our, our sort of lead shaman, if you will. Correct. He's, yeah. he's a tight with Tida and he, yeah. he lives with Tida basically most of the year and he, he trains with him deeply. Wow. Exactly. I didn't know that Mitra was living up there in the Amazon as well. He goes probably four or five months out of the year. Wow, it's incredible. And by the way, you guys yeah. will also get to know Mitra in the documentary, The Medicine, and Jerry and Dr. Jeff are also in that documentary. And you get to learn a little bit more about Rhythmia, but it's, it's incredible. Okay, so he, your shaman, your, your head shaman, says <laughs> this is a special place. Um, this will be a portal to, I think, worldwide healing. I mean, yeah. I was very clear by like day three is we're all sitting around the breakfast table you know, post, you know, div- the divine feminine night in the Maloka with Sarah, the female shaman. That means we were all crying and barely able to eat, um, just, you know, sharing our stories, which by the way, is part of the healing as well. It's so beautifully organized. And I was also there with quite a few people that I really love, including my mom and, and dear, dear friends and Jack Canfield. And, and so it was a very high level consciousness group that I was honored to be a part of. But our conversations and sharing our stories and our processes and what we saw and what we were letting go of and the anxiety still of like, I didn't get that. All I got was bliss. And it's like, really? Because I got demons and snakes. And and by the way, I now know that all that I saw was my deepest fears. That's all it was. And it's so interesting because today I was on set on Extra and I happened to bring it up to like one of the main hosts. I'm like, Renee, I just had this feeling. I was like, have you ever tried ayahuasca? And she's like, yes. She's like, if you like, I just came back from Costa Rica. I was at Rhythmia and she's like, what? And like bonded us in a way. And she had only ever done ceremonies where it was two nights at a time. Anyway, uh-huh. I have a question about that. But next thing I know, she was, she had the bliss, which of course I was envious of. And she was envious of my purging and all the demons and the monsters and the gnash teeth. And I don't want to say that to scare anyone. That's what I needed to see. That's how vile and ugly and dark my thoughts have been about myself. Uh-huh. I had to be shown how fucking harsh it is. Exactly. I had to be shown all of it. But what's wild is that because the people are listening, they're like, so wasn't that scary? And I was like, it actually wasn't. I knew I was safe, but it was hard to see. But I, yeah. I knew I was safe. Does that make sense? It does. And okay. what happens, you know, what's going on with that sort of, whether it's monsters or demonic sort yeah, of I saw that stuff, stuff. Right? <laughs> What's happening with that, right, is I've been able to work with the over 6,000 guests and kind of yeah. process with them their, their experience. And what I've come to understand with talking with all the shaman and also my own background in psychology and these guests is that the amygdala is the part of the brain that stores our subconscious memories and our emotions. Mm. So if I'm five years old and I have all this fear and abandonment and anger and confusion, and now I'm 50 and I'm not five and I've never processed that because it got shoved into my amygdala. Yes. What happens is the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of our brain that's our conscious sort of awareness and rational thinking, that part is still very active during a plant medicine ceremony. So you still know your arrhythmia. You still know that you're taking ayahuasca. Totally. It's not, it's not like you're a zombie in some other world. Like, you know what's going on. You know, you're just yes. in a process. And so what happens is if I have some emotion surface that's, that's uh, difficult from my past, there has to be a vehicle for me to actually understand the emotion and let it surface and let it leave me. Yes. So if I was abused as a kid, the emotions would likely be fear and confusion and resentment and guilt. Yes. So if those emotions surface in a strong manner, and I'm not five anymore, and those emotions surface, I'm like, what are these emotions about? This doesn't make any sense. And this has nothing to do with my life. But if I see a monster, 
or a snake or a spider or a demon, then I can get scared and I can feel angry or I can feel confused and it all comes out of me that leaves me. So it's a vehicle to transport these emotions that we need to process. And I don't know of any other way to do that. Um, I mean, I'd been to, you know, all the things and I had done the deep work and I, I, you know, I thought I had cleared so much of that, but this was like deeply embedded. I was shown actually tattoos of the vile words of the negative self-talk all over my body. And it was so painful and then it would turn into fire. And, and I'm just sharing that because that's what I needed to see. There were many other people that had like, they were like galloping in the universe, like on the back of like a pony that had wings, you know, there were other people that just saw the color, you know, like neon purple for five hours. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. But I have a question for you. Does that mean that one person is more evolved than another or more gentle? Uh, No, no, no. So obviously everybody's at different levels of sort of self-awareness, right? And everybody has their own journey that's very specific to them. So if somebody has like a journey that's about like rainbows and butterflies, right? (laughs) And then somebody else has like this really rough demonic thing. When I talk to people that have these very contrasting sort of scenarios, I talk to them and I just try to figure out like, what is it that you're trying to process? Well, a lot of the people that have the rainbows and butterflies are, have no self-love. They have low self-esteem. They don't know who they are in the world. Uh, they don't understand their role. That's kind of like a theme. And then some of us that have like the demonic shit happen, like, which is what is that I, you? I, yeah, oh, absolutely. Okay, compadre, yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so that stuff is like, because you know we have to get this stuff cleared out so we can there go and have these rainbow and butterfly things. But it's not necessary completely to have like one or the other. It's just very individual. And each person yeah. has their own sort of sort of way to roll it out. Yeah. And, and just, just in case I'm freaking any of you all listening out um, with the word demonic, I want you to be very clear that I got clear after the fact that it was not demonic. It was just my negative self-talk. And it was really hard to see. And it was really hard to experience. And it felt really tough and fairly unbearable. But the strength that I felt as I was able to just breathe, relax, and smile was so powerful. And then the way that Rhythmia facilitates being in the Maloka, like, and I, it felt like I was in the womb. It was like a cocoon of just pure love and light that was so well facilitated with the music and the breeze because the windows are open in Costa Rica is nothing but magical. And being in this beautiful white bed, of course, with a puke bucket on my right and bathrooms <laughs> everywhere for the other side. And you're just, there's so much support staff. I never felt alone. I never felt unsafe. And I knew that what was coming was going. I knew that whatever I was shown was for my highest and best good. And then I would see really powerful images of literally like me in past lives and being an African queen with like a gold headdress and a, you know, and I was there to serve and to lead. That's and awesome. to Yes. And so that's what's coming. And then that scared me. It was like, but I don't want to do that. I just want to go back to my significance driven life and like, you know, be on TV and do all that stuff. And what I got is that there's just so much more. And I was shown the exact past. I was shown exactly what's going to happen. I was given vivid detail of exactly next steps. Thank you to Miss right. Raven, who was my shaman um, for the four days. And she just said, you know, just ask, you know, what is the next step? No, actually, she said to ask, what is the first step? But of course, my mind heard, what is the next step? So I was showing all the steps and it all felt so overwhelming. But that's what I needed to see. And what's interesting is that Mrs. Moon, Mama Ayahuasca, the plant medicine, whatever you want to call it, 
will show each individual with this divine intelligence exactly what you need to see to open you up to your highest and best potential, to claim your destiny. It's incredible. That's right. And you know what happens too is like, we can get to certain realizations, you know, with therapy or uh, meditation or yoga or all this different stuff, right? There's all this great stuff that's out there, but plant medicine is so quick and effective and right to the point. And there's so many people that have all kinds of issues. And I, in my practice in Los Angeles, it took me sometimes years to get somebody to feel trust and to open up and to really go deep. One woman I worked with, it took her five years to do that with me. Wow. That's ridiculous. So I, she was in pain, emotional pain. So I wanted to get something that was quick. And when it's quick, it's work. Intense. When it's intense. It's intense. Yeah, you got to feel the intensity or you'll miss the immensity. <laughs> yes, I love that. Exactly. Robert Michael Beckwith, who was my spiritual uh, teacher for 18 years at Agape. The whole thing for me was like a coming home and I felt like we were all walking each other home from you and Jerry and the support staff and the shamanic team to all of the guests. There wasn't one person that didn't think that it was the most incredible and extraordinary life-changing experience of their life. And then, you know, you start to go down the rabbit hole in a good way and you start to look at videos online and whatever else and you see that it's universal. But for those who are afraid, what would you offer them? People, there's a couple things I would say because this is my job to keep people yes. safe here. Yes. Right? So first of all, like in a practical sense, we don't allow people to come here that are not medically appropriate. And medically appropriate means that they're off certain medications, that they have a certain heart situation that's healthy, yep. and certain other things you know that are sort of basic, and they have to be you know cleared physically to be here. Number one, and the other thing is that we have medical doctors, nurses, emergency medical technicians. We have tons of medical staff who, by the way, who have the most boring job in the world because they're never even needed. And they just <laughs> sit around twiddling their thumbs. And then what happens is that when people get here, I talk to them or one of our staff talks to them and we see how they're doing. What are your intentions? What are you here to accomplish? And we provide a really safe container for them to really go deep. Because you can't go deep emotionally unless you feel safe. Yes. So all of our staff are based on that. And ayahuasca, by the way, is extremely safe for anybody who's medically qualified because the active ingredient is already in your body. DMT, dimethyltryptamine, is already in your spinal fluid, your neurochemical fluid behind your eyes. It's in your lungs. Mm. It's in all kinds of parts of your body. It's already a part of who you are. It's part of when you dream, it's released. It's people that, you know, different parts of life, life changes, it's released. It gives you clarity, connection, and awareness. And that's yeah. already a part of us. So mm. when you take a little bit extra, it deepens that connection. Mm. So this isn't something that's like, you know, a drug, like an LSD. For example, LSD can be good, but LSD is not something that's like naturally in your body. It causes a reaction that your body responds to. But ayahuasca the active ingredient is already in your body. So your body is familiar with it. So most people say, including myself, when I first did it, say, I just feel like I'm at home. I feel like yeah. I know this space before. Yeah. Right? 
So let's talk about what ayahuasca is too, because based on the medicine, it was really fascinating for me to come home yesterday and all I could do is just be on the couch and thank God I could for the day, light a candle and watch that documentary, listen to the playlist that you guys <laughs> had going on for three, four full days. Yeah. Um, and I'm obsessed by the way, that is worth going for, like just to, just to get your hands on that music and feel it align your soul with your mind and your heart. So beautiful. But I was astounded to find out that thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, out of 150,000 different plant varieties in the Amazon, two strands were given to like one person, like try these two together because it yeah. can be healing. I mean, how does that happen? And, wow. and how do you explain that? <laughs> right? Well, if you, yeah, it's, it's hard to understand. And if you look at indigenous cultures worldwide, they all have their plant-based remedies that almost seem to be miraculous in how they came to blend them or use them or understand them. Yes. And I believe that indigenous cultures, indigenous populations are very much connected to the earth and they're very spiritual based. Just think of any indigenous group, you know, and they're very earth based and spiritual based. And so what ayahuasca is, it's a blend of two, two plants and one of them is a vine. That vine is a monoamine oxidase inhibitor. And so what that is, it, the reason why that's important is because it turns off the stomach enzymes so that your body can absorb the dimethyltryptamine that comes from the other plant. Hmm. So regionally, like if I live in Hawaii, for example, and I'm a shaman, I have acacia, which is a high-content DMT plant. If I live in Peru, I have mimosa teniaflora, which is another high-content DMT plant from that area. Colombia, it's Chacruna. Costa Rica, it's uh, all different. It's Mimosa Tenure. It's all these different ones, right? So it depends where you live regionally. And so what they do is they take these two plants or the vine of ayahuasca and the DMT component. They reduce them. They boil them over many days. They do intentions. There's all kinds of music and healing stuff that goes on around it. And the shaman that's making it has to be really in line with healing and, and the good intentions. And then, that's right that's right that's yes. right and then what happens is they they blend it down to a, a drink and then you drink it your stomach enzymes turn off temporarily and the dmt gets absorbed in the body and then you start to have this experience that's neurochemical based but also spiritual based yes 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 Ooh, it's <laughs> deep it's so it good is. who is ayahuasca for well, I would love to say it's for the entire world. <laughs> I would love to, but there I would are love some to. things to work out before you get there. That's right. There's some yeah. things to work out before you get there. Now, there's very little literature on ayahuasca research because it's a Schedule One substance. And so it's not able to be studied very easily. However, wait, what does studies, a Schedule One substance mean? Schedule One substance means that it's banned completely and you cannot even study it. That's also why an interesting that? reason. Yes, right? why is that, Dr. Jeff? Let's go there. <laughs> well, usually Schedule 1 substances, not all. Now, there's some Schedule 1 I agree with that are should not be allowed. But any plant or, or substance that creates awareness in self and creates independence of thought mm. and creates self-sufficiency mm. and awakens someone to the greater sort of picture of the universe or themselves or their family is usually frowned upon by governments and big business. Interesting. It's a threat. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Uh, no question. It's definitely So in the documentary, it's claimed by many PhDs and other people who've been studying this for years and years and years that that is why 
so many shamans hid the medicine for hundreds of years. Correct. They were fearful. Absolutely. Because, you know, you can't be controlled by a government if you have complete self-awareness. You can't be controlled by one single little negative self-talk that tries to come in after one time at Rhythmia. That too. It will never happen again. Exactly. It gives you complete freedom. And so freedom of your mind is a dangerous concept to uh, people that are trying to sell you products and also trying to control your life. That's and keep you on opiates and, and prescription drugs and depressed and anxious ridden and Correct. yes, all the things. Absolutely. And so that's why it's schedule one. So, okay. So it's, so, so who's it, it's a, wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So who's it for? So guys, when you go to rhythmia.com, you'll see the list of all the things that if you're doing this, this, and this, and it's, it's lengthy. That's how thorough and comprehensive Rhythmia and the medical staff is. And, and Dr. Jeff is the chief medical officer and co-visionary of Rhythmia. I gave you the second part of the title. That's so um, cool. Thanks. Yeah, and the coolest doc ever. And so there's a whole list. And I mean, it's serious stuff. I mean, I remember looking at that and I was, first of all, so grateful that I qualified, you know, so that's why you're right. It's not available for everyone right now. But yeah. if you feel called to it, then clean your stuff up, right? And, right. Then get your, and then get your booty there. Exactly. There's a lot of people that, you know, are on meds, you know, that have a long year history of meds, you know, psych- psychotropic meds, antidepressants, and they taper off those meds with the help of their doctor, then they get cleared and they can come. So that's just, a, there's a lot of people here every week that have a med history, you know, that do beautiful. what's needed. Yeah. A couple more questions. A lot of people have asked me since I've been home. Why four nights in the Maloka and four different tea sippings, if you will, versus one or two, which is not uncommon. Like, for example, I live in Los Angeles. I've been invited by several like Hollywood folk to some Malibu mansion with some shaman from Peru or whatever that's coming for the night. And you're going to go do, you know, ayahuasca for one night and then go home on Sunday. And that just felt really not right for me. So again, the skeptic, hell no. And then, but then the thought of four days was worse. And I'm going to yeah. fly international for that. <laughs> but again, I did it for my mother. But why four nights versus one or two? There's two reasons for the four nights. The reason, number one reason is because when Jerry and I were doing plant medicine ceremonies and trying to figure out how to run this business, the plant medicine told us that's going to be the most effective way. Yeah. So we had a connection with the plant. The plant talked to us. I believe the plants have consciousness. I believe the plants are aware beings and they have a different sort of vibe. And when we're in tune with them, they can communicate to us. And the plants themselves told us four nights is going to work best for people to have these types of issues. The other reason is because we've been collecting data on all the outcome results for the last four years. And when we used to have ceremonies every single night at first, then we had them twice a week. Then we had them three times a week and we tested all these different scenarios. We used to do it every other night for a while. And we, we collected data, crunched the numbers and saw the best result is to use the certain types of ayahuasca that we use for four nights a week, Monday through Thursday. And that's where we're getting 97%, 99%, 92% success rate at the end that's self-reported by the guests. And what is a measured success? We call it a miracle. So what that means is that they came, they had an intention that they had, or they adopted our three intentions, which are show me who I've become, reunite me with my soul at all costs, and heal my heart. If those three things occur, we consider that getting your miracle. Because what happens is people have a long list of intentions, as they should. But if you get those three, all the other intentions are met and realized. And so what happens is they 
the, the number of people that get all that accomplished is what we look at as a success rate and a miracle rate. And they, they check that on our survey when they leave. That's, that's like an A plus. Crazy. I, I'm used to 12% success rate in LA. Which is considered 10%. high. Yeah, 10, yeah, 13% success rate at our inpatient facility that I worked at was considered amazingly good. 13. Okay, let's, um, <laughs> let's talk about some of these outcome results. What are some examples? It's like three to five examples of some of your basic to extraordinary success examples. Okay, so somebody's been diagnosed with ADHD or depression their whole life. They've been on meds from in and out of meds for years and unresolved things. They've been in therapy for a long time. They come here, they get off their meds. They reset their neurochemistry with this plant medicine. They go home. They do not need meds ever again. They feel amazing. They feel grounded and they actually have a hard time believing it because they're so used to being told that they need something to take to make them feel better and they get over it. So that's a very common thing. People do not go back to their meds. That's that's number one thing I see a lot here. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Number two thing would probably be people that have trauma. So trauma and a lot of vets that we have here as, as guests, veterans from the military, they have trauma. It's called PTS, right? Post-traumatic stress. And those guys are dealing, and not only soldiers, but all of us in life have trauma based on, you know, different things. The amygdala opens up, lets those emotions surface. They leave they're no longer hindered or burdened by trauma and they don't have PTS anymore. It goes away. There's actually some documentaries out there about some U.S. Marines that went to Peru and did it and cured their PTS. So this is a, like a real thing that's happening. The Wounded Warrior Project is looking at this for a viable treatment me- method. There's all this stuff happening for vets. And vets are not just guys in military and women in military. It's also people that are surviving trauma and abuse and neglect and abandonment. That's a vet as well, you know, in a different sort of way. And so trauma is an amazing thing that gets worked out with, with ayahuasca. So what about the people who are listening and whether they are accurate or in denial, and I'm not here to judge at all. And they're like, well, you know, my life is pretty good. You know, I, I have success. I'm healthy. Um, you know, I, I live near the beach and, yeah. and uh, all is well. Why would I need ayahuasca? Well, that's what I thought. That's exactly <laughs> what I thought. <laughs> That was me. I was a psychologist. I got my kids. I already done 65 hours of therapy that I had to do on myself when I was in grad school. I, you know, I was successful. I was running a rehab. You know, I, had, you know, I had a lot of friends. Da da da. I thought I was fine. Guess what? <laughs> fine. <laughs> what did you I see wasn't. in your journey? Your first journey. I saw that I was a scared little kid growing up in a rough part of Los Angeles, dodging bullets and knives and running from gangs and trying not to get killed blood and drive-by shootings and all kinds of violence, domestic violence, drug use and homelessness and madness in, in East Los Angeles where I grew up. And so I saw this stuff at a young age and I learned that I need to be safe and navigate it on my own. So one of the tools I used was to become a tough guy. Yep. Become, I have a barrier between me and the world. This, this sort of like, I'm big, I'm angry, don't come near me. Yep. I'll get what I need. I'll avoid problems. And it worked. And it worked really well. And I survived. And a lot of my friends did not. And a lot of my people I know are in jail or dead. And that's just the way it is in, in that area of Los Angeles back in the day. And yeah. so I got out. And so uh, I used this tactic my whole life. And it just I just chalked it up to it was just who I am. But what oh, I really learned... Right? Is key. <laughs> this is just who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Yeah. Guess what? It's not who I was. It was a survival tool that I needed 
when I was about ages five through maybe 16. But it's not a tool I needed later in my life. And, and who I am really am is, I think, a nice guy, a, a, a protector of people, yes. um, a loving person who wants people to be happy and healthy. And I'm just like a watchdog, right? That's kind of my thing. And so the angry, aggressive, you know, adversarial dude that I was is not, was not me. It served a purpose at the time, and that time's over. So plant medicine showed me that. And it helped me plug back into myself. And I realized finally to be how I could be happy because I was still doing this in my professional life. Like I was intimidating my way through school and through internships. I was like, my supervisors would tell me, I will, I'm afraid of you at the end of the year. I'm like, but you're afraid of me. You <laughs> yeah, I'm going to sign your hours because I'm scared you'll kick my ass, right? So yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, you're kidding me. I didn't think, oh. I didn't feel I was that way. It's not how I thought about myself, but that's what I had become. And I learned that and I really got to plug back into myself and, and see who I really am. And it was beautiful. And I, it's, I'm still can click into that aggressive thing if I need to. If somebody's in trouble, I'm, gonna, I'm there, right? I'm going to do it. But it doesn't define me anymore. It's not my true identity. Well, I had very similar, I had such extraordinary experiences. I had so many healings of my heart. It just, I was very blessed. I got to like zipper up literally like I was shown not a surgery, but like a, they talk about sacred surgery. Y'all are going to have to get there and find out what that is. But <laughs> I, I was shown a zipper on things that were so traumatic and so painful for me. And not only was it zippered and complete, but there was an absolute forgiveness and openness to, I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you. You're welcome into my life. If you still want to be my father, for example, I went to Rhythmia with a breast reduction scheduled because I loathed my body. I loathed my breast. I thought they were disgusting. I had vile thoughts. I had already scheduled it for December 24th. And by night three, I knew I would never be doing the surgery. And then the final blessing on night four with all of the shamans, and I don't want to give too much away, I was there in just my bra. That's something I would have never done in a million years, ever, ever, ever. And it's just because I wanted to be loved and blessed and all this self-love was just who I truly am. That's just one of many, many things. Another thing that was just absolutely cleared forever it's crazy. I don't even know who these eyes are looking at my body in the mirror, but the body dysmorphia is gone. I look wow. at my body and I'm like, it's so beautiful. Yeah. Oh my awesome. God, it's so beautiful. And I, I'm literally thinking, is my mind playing tricks on me? Because it looks in my mind like I've lost 20 pounds, but yet the scale says it's about the same. But yeah. I decided <laughs> to see myself for who I really am. I love that. And now I touch my body and like, I mean, I'm talking like my arms and my legs and I was so conscious of what was ugly and what people could see on my every single move. I came into Rhythmia with two intentions. And yes, I did the whole show me who I've become, merge me back with my soul at all costs and heal my heart. I definitely took all of the advice. But then once I felt like I was getting a lot of that, I got a little greedy and I was like, well, I would love to heal my body. <laughs> and I would love to just show me in this life, do I get beloved love? Do I get a soulmate? Do I get that kind of love in this life? I mean, would it be okay if I asked that? And um, the heal my body was done. She was showing me, you got to be a vegan for a while, which was like, whoa, what the fuck? Like I love in and out and quarters and, you know, and like pizza. And, but what I was doing, I was stuffing my hungry heart. Uh -huh. stuffing my, my hungry soul. Oh, yeah, and, wow. and I couldn't get enough Taco Bell and McDonald's like right up until the mm. day that I left. And I knew I was supposed to alkaline my body, but I was like, hell no. And <laughs> diet Coke and ice cream and, and boxes of seized candy. I don't know how I'm not 500 pounds. 
And so I just saw like, you got to alkaline your body and, and I'm going to make it fun for you. And I, it's, it stayed, it's like nine days and I, I just enjoy it. Um, and then the other thing is I was absolutely shown the man that I will marry. I was shown the ceremony, Raven's going to marry us. Wow. So we'll be back in November. Um, awesome. So there is all How of that. How cool is that? So cool. There's That's a million. I, I love it. I love hearing So that. many examples. Not ever. <laughs> so many examples. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Not to mention. Isn't that how life's supposed to be? Yeah. That's how life's supposed to be, right? It's supposed to be free. That's it's supposed, supposed to be clear. To it's supposed yeah. to have like this brilliant optimism with this really humbled ambition. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And we get, we get confused in the West sometimes. We get intentionally blinded by the system that's out there. And then we don't know any better. And we buy into it. And we start to kind of go down these roads because everybody else is doing it. And it's normal to do that. And a lot of us have done that and do it. And it's, it's really common. But what this plant is showing us is that we are all connected. Mm-hmm. We are all part of this earth. We are all healers. We are all amazing individuals who are full of beauty, love, and light. And there's nothing on this planet that's evil that we can't conquer. That's what this is about. Aho. Aho. Final question. Well, there's two. People have just heard my story. They've heard your story. They've heard about, you know, this incredible almost 95% quote success rate of the miracles that people are experiencing. What's the sustainability? Well, we send out a survey to people six months after they've left. And they are all still in the zone. They're all doing great. <laughs> and what happens is a lot of people, because they want to go deeper with this process, they come back a year later, sometimes two years later. They're doing amazing things have happened for them. This sticks. This is not something that, you, that it's just like a fleeting moment of like, oh, I feel okay right now for a month. This is something that changes your life. I did my first plant medicine ceremony five years ago. I'm still in that space. I still am. I'm married because of it. I'm super happy. My kids are doing great. My wife is awesome. I love my job. I love the people I work with and the guests I see. It sticks. It stays with you, right? So this is the sustainability is based on your own individual daily practice and connection with yourself. You continue the momentum of self-healing. You guys talk a lot at Rhythmia about light workers versus, uh, and no, not versus, but light workers and light warriors. Yeah. What is the distinction? I like to say this type A versus type B personality. So a light, yes. I'm a, I'm a, you know, this is the thing. We can go in and out of both. Yes. So when Jerry and I are hanging out, he's the light warrior. I'm the light worker because he's the guy spearheading the company and I'm the guy supporting him and supporting the staff. So like in that sense, I'm a light war, a light worker type B. But when I'm with my family or with the guests and I'm rolling with the staff, I'm a light warrior. So I can click in and out. So type A, which means like, you know, assertive, forward thinking, progressive kind of person, type B, behind the scenes a little bit, making sure everything goes smooth, supporting everybody, but still super powerful. It's not One's not better than the other. They just have different sort of roles. Yes. Well, I got very clear. I had no idea this even existed. You're I, a light warrior. I'm a light <laughs> warrior. You got it. That's right. In fact, it's hilarious. I changed my Instagram bio today. I just owned it. I was like, I'm a light warrior. Let's just own this shit and like heal the world. Right um, on. And step into my power and work with executive, you know, leaders and transformational light workers and light warriors. That's what I'm here to do. Perfect. And I'm so grateful that I got to experience what I experienced at Rhythmia. I'll be back and I'm bringing many friends. Cool. I feel like it, this, this place, and there'll be many around the world, no doubt, but this place is going to heal as many people on the planet are as brave enough to step into the truth of who they are. 
and that's, it's right. worth it. that's what I would say is it's worth it. I mean, I could just cry because I'm so grateful. I ask every guest at the end of, of our conversations here, what, and this is crazy because the name of this show is called fire and soul. The moment that I signed up for, or that I said yes to Jack Canfield when he was on this show back in April, and he invited me to join him for ayahuasca during our conversation. And of course, I was so honored that Jack Canfield said yes, that I was like, yes. No, that he asked me. I was like, yes. And then, of course, two weeks ago, I was like, fuck no, I'm not doing that. Um, but, but she, Mama Ayahuasca, and this is what I now know to be true because I've learned so much because you guys educate so deeply. She already started doing some work. And so out of nowhere, I had this like really popular podcast called The Mindset Mashup with like epic guests like Jack and Dave Asprey and Tony Robbins and his was scheduled like three different times and it hasn't happened. But like, but these epic, like worldly game changer, you know, spiritual mentors of mine and it was doing really well, no reason to change it. And all of a sudden I woke up one morning and I was like, I got to change it to fire and soul. So fire and soul for me is taking inspired action from an awakened soul for aligned results. That's what it is. And so, and then it's just become my thing. And I didn't even know that at the time I'm actually a fire element, but I was shown wow. that in my week at Rhythmia. So that's definitely the light warrior, the African queen, all of that. I'm so excited. Nice. But I do ask every guest, what is your definition of an awakened soul? An awakened soul is somebody that is reunited completely with their physical body and their spiritual body. And they're seeing through their physical body with their spiritual eyes. And there's no veil between either world. And that represents being totally plugged in. And that's what the plant medicine allows. Because our spiritual self is always in tune. But our physical body has imperfections and we think negatively and all this different stuff we struggle with. Our physical body, when you drink ayahuasca, the vibration of the plant medicine creates your body to vibrate as the same as your spirit Mm. and your soul is plugged in and you're seeing things through your spirit eyes. That's what that means to me. That's the most epic answer I've ever heard. (laughs) I answered it for myself before I ever asked a guest. I shared it when I was letting all of my listeners know that I was changing the title and what that means for me. And it was, it's a coming home. So Mm. that's also in a nutshell, what you just described. Absolutely. And I didn't even really know what I was saying and again, this uh, is a girl who's never done a quote drug a day in my life. And ayahuasca is not a drug. It's a yeah. plant medicine. But I mean, I was about as pure as they come outside of all that alcohol I used to drink, which I got to see that so beautifully one night in the, in the, in the Maloka. <laughs> um, it was so perfect to see how I was trying to soothe a soul that wasn't, it just, it wasn't home. And I hadn't healed my heart and I didn't know how to heal it. And I was just looking for all these different modalities. So we do it by overworking, oversexing, over gossiping, just anesthetizing, you know, ourselves because it's so painful to live in the world. And again, it doesn't have to be a traumatic experience or it can be as traumatic where you think, no, I'm not fixable. This could possibly be for you in a way where you see the world from an awakened soul. And I invite everyone who's listened to this, who's just got a hit Allow that hit to just be and allow that seed to be planted. You don't have to take action today. And in fact, I don't believe in that. Inspired action comes from within. It's a lure. It's a call. So allow yourself to be lured to it. If this conversation resonated, even on a level that you can't understand, because Rhythmia will be there for you and they will take care of you and they will heal you if you say yes. Amen. <laughs> uh, oh, thank you for coming on today. Thank you. And if anybody has any questions about stuff, they can watch my Facebook lives on Rhythmia's website. They could push to YouTube every uh, Monday evening. I talk about all the similar type of stuff, scientific side, psychological side, all that kind of stuff. 
that's a good way to kind of get, you know, your questions answered. Excellent. I had no idea I'll be stalking the Facebook page. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for your time. I can't be more grateful and honored. And I salute you and Jerry and your mission on the planet. Thank you for having me. It was a wonderful blessing to have you down here in Costa Rica. We hope to see you again soon. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Fire and Soul podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at fireandsoulpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.